Circle of Birth podcast, reclaiming our birth potential with ancient wisdom and stories from birth and beyond, sharing the rich spectrum of family diversity and transformation, stories worldwide bringing together community and connectivity. Come together with story medicine and inspire at our unique birth journeys. We breathe, we birth, we become. Episode 53, welcome. And firstly, please listen to me before you listen to this episode. Don't skip ahead because as I was listening to the the podcast, I realised that the internet had this kind of weird delay thing going on. So you might think that I'm actually cutting over joy or vice versa, but it's not. It's not me. So don't hate me at the end of it because you're annoyed with my cutting off thing and abilities. Um, it's such a great episode. I recorded it last year and I don't know why it took so long to get it out, but it just, it's here now and please come back to it and enjoy. It was such a beautiful journey of birth, birthing in a bus at 19 to practicing midwifery and more birth story to follow. Feedback much appreciated. Thank you everyone for listening and thank you for leaving the iTunes ratings and reviews from my heart. I thank you. Hello, Joy, and welcome to the Circle of Birth podcast and you are the Birth with Joy podcast and I'm really, really excited to have you on the show um, and to just experience a bit of your wisdom and um, especially here in Australia and yeah, go for it. Tell me, tell us, tell the listeners of where you are at the moment, so where you're located um, and let's start with your first journey into midwifery with the birth of your son, which is going to be a really interesting story. So think, big welcome. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Ali. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And um, yeah, so I was pregnant at 19 and then I, I gave birth when I was 20. And uh, my son is actually just turned 20 now. So it's pretty interesting because I am about to turn 40 in April. And I just had this realization that this is the only, the one and only time where he's going to be half my age. Mm, wow. And you, and you to be 40 too. Like that's a, you know, 20 and 40. <laughs> Oh yeah, exactly. And I remember, like, I remember thinking back on that when he was a baby and thinking about this, like, wow, I wonder what I'll be like when he's 20 and I wonder what he'll be like, you know, I'll, of course I was so curious what kind of person he was going to turn into. And, um, yeah, so, uh, we were living in a school bus at the time and I was very, very inspired by Ina Mae Gaskin, um, who started the farm in Tennessee and uh, that was that all. I don't know how familiar everyone is with that in Australia, but it was um, she's probably the most, I would say, well-known midwife in the States. And uh, it's yeah, a lot of it's Australian people every, are quite familiar. Everyone knows yeah. Ina May. OK, I I've got know. all her books. <laughs> yeah. um, just 
interrupting. Where where are you now? Like, where are you located in Portland, uh, Oregon still? No. I So I practiced midwifery no? in Portland for close to 10 years. And then um, it's pretty big, wild story, actually. I And a lot of it has to do with the persecution we were talking about with midwifery and things that have happened. And I actually ended up buying a sailboat and I... Um, sailed it from Portland to Orcas Island in the San Juan Islands, uh, just kind of on this quest to re <laughs> reset um, after everything that has happened and all of my journey uh, along the midwifery path. And so I am living on my sailboat uh, on Orcas Island with my six-year-old son. And so, and actually that's also my studio. So I'm sitting here right now on my sailboat. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm very visual. I'm just picturing just waves mm-hmm. lapping up against the boat and nice gentle rock. And <laughs> Right now <laughs> is it, it is, Ew. yeah, right now it's yeah. a nice gentle rock. The last few days we've had some pretty severe storms. So it's been really, really, really rocky. Uh, and that's, it's all part of it. You know, living on a sailboat is maybe a little bit like labor (laughs) sometimes it's, it's unpredictable and it's, you know, you just got to kind of like let it, the storm build and, and you're really more one with nature in that, in that. Mm, I can just see a whole audio series there and then sort of another series of birth with joy <laughs> yeah birth with joy on the sailboat I, I can just see that would be so interesting I've always fascinated about people that like families that live on boats and yes what day-to-day life is like and yeah, yeah. well I thought about that too I thought well I should I could do a podcast on you know sailboats and living on sailboats tiny home living that kind of thing and I, I do find it interesting that I gravitated towards this as I was kind of really looking for healing and um resolution for with with myself and my life path and uh it it is interesting to to kind of go from midwifery which is like so womb and it's so all of those hormones and the energy of birth is so watery anyway it's so mutable and changeable and then to to go from that to be like on a boat it's kind of almost like I feel like I wanted to get back in the womb (laughs) you know Mm, I love that it's like you're in the womb again yes you're 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 floating the seas and there may not always be smooth there's going to be ups and downs and Mm -hmm. you you're in the the womb of the great mother yeah yes (laughs) so okay so Go, we'll go back to when you were pregnant okay. and Ina May. Yes. Okay. So I was very, very, I'm almost obsessed with Ina May and with reading every book I could to find out what was going on in, inside my body and just being so young. I mean, we were traveling a lot and uh, I, so once it, I really wanted to give birth on Orcas Island actually, which was really the norm back then. People, we had really amazing wise women midwives here on the island and uh and that was what everyone I knew who was pregnant was having their babies on the island so that was what I wanted to do there wasn't a lot of fear about from anyone that I knew about like well what if something goes wrong and then how are you going to get to a hospital because there's no hospital on the island it was just like oh yeah well I'm just 
you know, we're going to have the baby at home. And, um, it just, that was the culture and it was completely acceptable. So I really, I really wanted to give birth on the Island because the Island is, um, very special to me. And so it was like a, felt like a sacred thing. And, but I ended, and I was assuming, oh yeah, most babies are born two weeks uh, after their due date. So I was just figuring, yeah, I mean, I, my due date was January 2nd and I thought, oh yeah, I'm not going to give birth until mid January. And I was counting on that. And we were still the whole time during my pregnancy, we were uh, working on the school bus. So we put cedar paneling up. So it felt like we were inside a cedar tree and, you know, the boat had, and oh, wait, we put patchwork carpet all over the the floor. So it was just super cozy. And it was that we had a great heater, a sink, a stove, um, a refrigerator, everything that you would need. And so I, yeah, I really thought that, um, that I was going to go over and I just planned on it, which is pretty much what I tell most of my first time moms plan on going a couple weeks over because that's really is the norm. One to two weeks, you know, for your first baby. Yeah. And so we had, what's that? <laughs> oh, 42 weeks should just be the due date, it shouldn't should, it? Yes, and then it really, yes, absolutely. It really should. Cause otherwise you're just expecting, and then you're looking at your watch every day. <laughs> like, when is this going to yeah, happen? Yeah. Like, no, just live your life and um, plan it, plan it out. So that was what I did. I followed that advice. And, but we had, so we had had the school bus at my um, partner at the time, his parents' house in Custer, right on the border of Canada. And um, it was, it's just North of Bellingham. So it's almost to Canada. And uh, we, because we could use their showers and we were still working on the boat and going to Home Depot all the time to get stuff. So, but we had this goal to get it ready to get back to Orcas. And that did not happen because I went into labor <laughs> on January 1st. No, actually on, uh -huh. on, on December 31st. So yeah, it was, I um, woke up in the middle of the night and I, or at about 5 a.m. I think I woke up with regular contractions and I was thinking, no, 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 this is not happening. I am not ready. This is not where I want to be. <laughs> I, this can't be <laughs> happening, but you know, I, um, you know, at the same time it was very exciting and exhilarating and I, uh, just listened to my body and ended up walking across this field to get to the house to make a phone call to my midwife who was actually on Waldron Island, which is an even smaller Island off of Orcas Island. And Waldron Island is a community there where it's just people are really living off the grid there. You can't get there any other way unless you have a private boat and they don't. Mm. How did you connect with her, this midwife? Well, uh, Jackie Stratton was her name and she is, she was, she would come over to um, Orcas and um, she had a, a little office there. So I knew her because she was who everyone else I knew was having babies with and she was just so loving just the most loving warm person and uh just made you feel really at ease and comfortable and and you could just feel her wise woman energy you know she knew so much about the body and herbs and how to 
how to deal with stuff. So I was really confident and comfortable with her. And actually when I had, because we had moved around so much, just being so young and being on the school bus and trying to, you know, figure out how to live and make ends meet and everything. We had moved to Bellingham after I had met her and started prenatal care. And then I found another midwife because I thought, well, we're going to be in Bellingham. I'm going to need another midwife. But, um, when I first interviewed this other midwife, she had only been practicing for about a year. And some of the main questions that were really important to me were, well, so what are you going to do if I hemorrhage? Are you going to, this is the main one that sticks out in my head 20 years later. <laughs> I'm like, I was really <laughs> hung up on this. What are you going to do if I hemorrhage? Are you going to give me herbs and try to help stop the hemorrhage that way? Or are you going, you know, and she just was like, oh, well, if you start hemorrhaging at all, bleeding more than I'm comfortable with, then I'm going straight to the Pitocin. And that was just the kind of midwife she was, just very conservative and medicalized. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that's really the important thing to realize about midwifery and also just about the culture of, of mid, midwifery and birth and the persecution and the witch hunts and all of this energy that's built up around midwifery and that's that affects it all is that... Um, different just think you know just because you have a midwife doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna ha have the same kind of birth experience or all midwives are different and some midwives tend to be really a lot more medicalized even home birth midwives because fear has found its way into our you know into our womb world <laughs> unfortunately you know and I think that's what we need to figure out how to how to combat with love and trust. And so, yeah, yeah. Bring back that yeah, wisdom. Yeah, the wisdom and yeah, just the, the yeah. knowing of what yeah. the body the knowing. can do and what women are capable of, you know. Mm. And so. Did your, um, sorry, did your mom hemorrhage with you or was there any, no, like, did you look into that? No. I, Why? I was actually was born it? at yeah. home in Oakland, California with a midwife. And there was no problems at all. I had a really, I was born um, nice, easy, kind of long, but nice labor, was born without, um, I didn't cry. That was the story I was told as I came out just eyes open, looking around like, what is, who, where am I? I? <laughs> but not in a scared way, in a very curious way. So it was nothing like yeah. that, but I think I just, I had been doing so much research. And so I'm sure that wasn't the yeah. only question I'd asked, but it was just really important to me. I really wanted a midwife who trusted in the birth process, trusted in the body, knew about herbs. And I, it was just the one thing that stands out in that 20 year old brain that I had, you know, was I just really wanted to make sure that the midwife that I had had enough faith and trust in birth and knowledge about natural ways that she would at least give me a chance to use herbs if that happened, you know, and granted there are many other things that happened, yes. I don't know why that really stood out for me. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the default test question or something yeah. that you yeah. had. It was. <laughs> it really was. Exactly. I was like, oh, you're going to jump straight to Pitocin? Boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know what, though? I mean, because I didn't feel like I had a ton of other options at the time, I did still continue to, I saw her for a few appointments. And then I remember we had to go have a breakup appointment. <laughs> 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 and that, 
<laughs> it was hard, you know, but I ended up, I called Jackie back and just was like, please, will you still be my midwife? And she said, yes. And she traveled to my birth from Waldron Island. She had to take a plane and a car and a ferry all to wow. get to my birth. Yeah. And I was That's on a state, water plane, like one of state medical, like, so she wasn't really getting paid yeah. very much. She was getting paid like yeah. the minimal yeah. amount. Um, you know, state insurance pays, I think, maybe two thirds of what uh, a cash pay or an insurance would pay, regular insurance would pay. So, mm. so yeah. So how long was that trip for her oh, to, to boy, come to you? Thinking it must have been, let's see. Well, when I called her in the morning, um, she, you know, she wanted to talk to me and hear my contractions and see what I sounded like to decide if she should come or not right away. And I remember she had a party scheduled because it was New Year's Eve and she had actually a party planned at her house that she ended up having to miss. <laughs> so at some point, I oh know, so, but that's the such as midwifery. So, so she, I'm sure it probably took her at least three hours, maybe four. I, you know, I'm not, totally sure because I've never traveled from Waldron Island, but you know, plane, it would be at least a, a, an hour and a half drive and then an hour and a half ferry ride. And then the, so maybe three and a half hours. Yeah. That she traveled yeah, wow. to get there. I'm already just saying that like, maybe that midwife looked at you when you're 20 and said, oh, this woman's going to be special she maybe she had that midwifery code with you and she thought if I invest into her that you become the person that you are now because she invested into you that's a sweet (laughs) thought I think you know maybe so maybe that was an intuition I I a a subconscious intuition you know I think she was just a a very giving beautiful soul you know either way so yeah 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 so, so she rocked so, up. Yep. So she she shows yeah. up, and I'm I'm thinking I'm gonna belly dance this baby out. And so I'm just like, you know, belly <laughs> dancing in the school bus. And when she gets there, you know, I'm still all smiley and like, you know, and my mom had arrived as well, and I was still just all smiley and happy and just um, really not in active labor. <laughs> I don't think so. Cause that's really our test now that looking, you know, it's like if you're smiling and so excited about having your baby, you're really not in active labor yet. You're probably just, I mean, well, that's the term we use. I mean, it just means you're still kind of building up to that point where you're going to have to completely surrender everything <laughs> that you have, yeah. that you are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's the way you build up to that point, I think, is the crucial part, isn't it? Like smiley, happy, dancy or yeah, panicking, I think fear. It, it can yeah. make it. I mean, I think it does make a huge difference. And then and yet for me in that birth, um, I it was it was really interesting because I was doing that. And then all of a sudden I was like, what felt to me like, oh, my goodness, this is way harder than I had imagined it was going to be. And I was exhausted and on my knees, just acting like I was in transition. And 
um, could barely talk to people. You know, what really wanted a lot of eye contact to to be able to help me through the through the rushes, and especially wanted that from my mom and the, my midwife because there was somewhere in me that knew, okay, they've done this before, so I'm not gonna. I'm like I I can do this if if I look in their eyes, I can draw strength from their their experience. They've done this, so I'm going to be okay. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, I think the, the, the feeling, I don't know, I don't know how conscious it was. And so I was, um, it, and then, you know, right around that time, my, uh, my husband at the time, his sister and mother, his mother's completely German and his sister is his twin. And it was, it was really cold out in, in January. And, um, they had, I had already let them know that they were like, I had, they were not in my birth plan <laughs> to have them be in the bus. Yes. And I, they were nervous. They were really nervous about me doing a home birth and especially probably in the school bus and just the whole thing. They were not on board. And they lived in the house nearby. So it's, they knocked, someone knocked on the door. And then Jackie came over and told me um, that Inga and Rachel want to come in. <laughs> Can they come in? And I was just at this point pretty incoherent. I mean, I, I couldn't really think, you know, the, the, the rushes were hitting me so hard and so strong. And I, but I was able to say no. And I just, and then I found out later they had been, they like circled around the bus and hung out and listened to me like for hours and hours. Uh, How did you feel about that afterwards? Uh, no, that? actually, I mean, to be honest, yeah. I felt really violated by that. Um, like that mm. this was my personal space and I didn't, I had not invited them <laughs> and I didn't I didn't want them to be out there listening to me it just it feels like such a vulnerable thing you know and it is such a giving birth it's like your most vulnerable moment and I wanted my privacy mm. and I you know made that clear and um so I didn't like it <laughs> to find out later I'm glad I didn't know at the time and and yet at the you know now 20 years later I like forgive them. <laughs> like I'm not. I'm not holding yes, a yes. grudge or anything. <laughs> like, I know they yeah, were worried, yeah. and so yeah. But that that kind of thing happens, and I personally believe in uh, that we can feel the vibrations of other people around us, and that people who are carrying fear with them, uh, especially in a birth situation, because we are so open hormonally and spiritually during that time that uh it you know I mean I feel like it affects things and that's a big part of why I think it's so important who you choose to invite to your birth is so important yeah I wholeheartedly agree with that too I think your radar is just so wide that yes. you would have felt of course you would have felt them around they didn't have to do anything or say anything you just would have felt that at some energetic yes. level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. Did, how, how was your, how was your mum's just giving the birth that your mum had with you? So you've got that imprint mm -hmm. already. Was it really, um, 
I'd love to know, I don't know if your mum spoke to you about it ever, but what was it like for her? But how was it for you to have your mum there with you mm-hmm. at this well, time? Okay, so being so in young the moment, too. it was very, very comforting. I mean, I loved having my mom there. I think especially as a young uh, a young mom, I I wanted my mom, <laughs> you know. I, and so yeah. it was very, very comforting. Yeah. Um, although just... Okay, to be perfectly honest, I think there was something in the immediate postpartum period where it was like I was just very, very tuned into her exhaustion. And I could feel that she was just really exhausted because she'd been awake helping me for so long. And so I just remember a moment of that kind of feeling, just feeling a little bit responsible for her or just a little bit of weight around that um but you know not nothing major really but you know Mm. and then I will also say that in the just to be completely transparent um you know my my relationship with my mom we're like we've been extremely close but we've had some really really rocky times as well um throughout my life and a lot of that has to do with her uh husband and you know, family dynamics shift and change and can be very difficult. And for me, they have been. And so Mm. I think in hindsight, looking back, but, oh, she, you know, I invited her to both of my births and those are really the most vulnerable moments of my whole life. Um, except for maybe when I was born (laughs) and she, you know, and she was there for all of them. And sometimes when I look back, I do have this sense of, um, I don't know if it's like self-protection or something when I look back and like, Oh, I, it feels too vulnerable when now we've had been, you know, we've had troubles, if that makes sense. I mean, I don't know if that's. Yeah. So you sort of feel like you're exposed at those times and then, the, like you said, the family dynamics, the ups mm. and downs and that feeling of exposure during your most vulnerable time sometimes can bring up things mm. when, you know, things happen within the family and especially with your mum because, I mean, you can't get much closer than that in terms of biology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge, I guess, in the growth of you as a mother because you at that point with that little babe in your arms are a mother. You've just transformed into oh, Wait, mom. I missed that last and thing then, you said. Can you repeat that? Oh, you at the – so you just with that babe in your arms at that point have just transformed mm-hmm. into mother and then your mother's right there <laughs> and – you know, that, that moment in itself is so open and vulnerable yes. and exposed and huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so with that, I mean, it's like the light and dark, isn't it? There's yes. always going to be a, a light yeah, and there a dark might be side moments to, where I think, yeah. like, where I feel like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have, <laughs> I wish I wouldn't have had you there, you know? They're like, but, but it's like yeah, it's yeah. a moment and it's just a moment. It's just a thought passing through. It's like, because yeah. some, then I'll, yeah. if I were to, I don't know if I would change anything, you know, if I were to look back, it's like, well, I don't know. Yeah. If, it's not really true yeah. that I don't want her, didn't want her there. But at the same time, I'm just like, yeah, yeah sometimes it just feels extra vulnerable. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's like the unheard child coming through, the, the child that didn't get listened to sometimes or heard or yeah. valued or. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. all have that stuff, you know, we do. And and I think it is it is really important who we invite to our birth, you know. And I, I had this one mom one time where I was helping her and she really wanted her mom there at the birth and she was in the water tub at the birth center and I was checking her pulse and her pulse was pretty normal. And then as her mom was approaching down the hall, we could hear her getting closer. She was talking or, you know, there's as she got closer, her, the mom that I was taking care of, her pulse went up by 20 points, 20 beats per minute. Right wow. then and there. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like somebody who she invited. Like she, I mean, she really was on good terms with her mom, you know, but but it, yeah, it just every person that you have there affects things, you know, and and so that was a really yeah. clear moment of showing that. <laughs> mm. Do you see that with men a lot in your work when men unknowingly, but you know, because they're so new to the birth mm-hmm. room, the birth space, bring in their stuff. And then there's that expectation of the woman to still make sure that they're comfortable and looked after mm-hmm. when they're in labour, if that makes sense. Um, um, well, I, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen, re- you know, relationship yeah. stuff come up um, right before birth, like huge, like, well, boom, transitional, yeah. like, you know. And then next minute um, the man walks out and the woman's like, <laughs> oh, oh, like, you know. <laughs> Oh, gosh. You know, now I can get on with things or this yeah. or that or something will come up about yeah. them that they're annoyed with or Well, you know, I have really mixed feelings and thoughts about men at labor, at, in labors. Um, I'm, I have seen the gamut. I've seen so many, you know, the insides and outsides of every relationship. And as a midwife, you really see the most intense part of somebody's relationship during when they're going through that birth process together. And, um, I've seen some men just be absolutely stellar. Like you're, they are just completely attentive, relaxed, giving so much love and presence and just in tune with their woman to the point where they can feel every little thing that she needs and it's beautiful and I you know at the, in the past I I always had looked and been like oh that's the kind of man I want you know I want I want that kind of relationship <laughs> <Yeah>. um, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know and then I've seen really I I mean I've seen ones where it's just like oh very hard to watch you know like a uh, one time this chiropractor man uh dad was there and uh he was like just sitting on the edge of the tub and she was in a lot of back labor and she was like oh my back my back my back and, you know she's like screaming about her back and he is sitting on the edge of the tub reading a book just completely not attentive doesn't you know that just blew my mind uh and he was a chiropractor <laughs> it was like it was like what yeah, yeah. in the world you know and so that's those are a couple contrasting kind of examples or experiences that I've seen and then you know with my own births I will say that the the 
with Mountain. My that's my oldest son. His name is Mountain, and um, he his dad was kind of a. I mean, just kind of a stoner, I guess, <laughs> like, and, <laughs> to be totally honest. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, he fell asleep for most yeah. of it. And then when he was awake, he just kept saying the same thing over and over again, which was like, you are so strong. You're so strong. But it was like, after a while, I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I, yeah. Like, I, I get I, it. Yeah. I can't take that in any lo- anymore. Like, I don't care. So that was my experience with him. And then with my youngest son, Kulain, his dad, I he was in the tub with me and I had told him, um, just the, basically I was trying to explain to him what I wanted before prenatally and stuff. And I was like, the most important thing I just, you just, I would just want you to be present with me. Just be present. That's all I want you to do. And, and then he ended up taking that and he, he was like really super masculine present, like holding this intense look and, of presence at me. And I was like, oh my gosh, for hours. And I was, you know, in an animalistic state at that point. Just like every time I would look up at his eyes, I felt like I was about to be eaten. <laughs> Were you internally that? laughing at some point? Or is it just like, oh, wait, was there internal laughter? No, or was it, was it just like, ah. I was like, no, I was trying to no. get through the moment and I would look up at him and just feel like, oh my God, he's going to eat me. Like he is, he has got this like strong masculine presence and I'm like, okay. And I didn't have it in me to explain at the moment, like, no, a little softer, you know, just a soft presence. I forgot to mention that part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, yeah, and it, and it's funny now, but but um, yeah, it was just it was very a very interesting thing. I just um, and I think probably he was really nervous too, and so that was just like I'm gonna try really hard yeah. to be present yeah. and um, but I mean present, yeah, almost like you know if you're going out for a sport match yes. or something that that look. Just oh, before you exactly. ran out into a yeah, field like, or I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh my yeah. gosh, don't look at me. <laughs> like, don't look at me. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I mean, and I think that as midwives and doulas, we intuitively kind of know. I mean, part of my training and my learning and was, you know, you never really stand a, a over a woman. You know, and you don't really stare at her. You stand you you sit next mm. to her with a a soft presence. <laughs> it's like you're there, but you're not there. You're you're not you're not impo- yeah. imposing yeah. on her vibe and whatever she has going on. And so, yeah. Someone's a wise woman said to me once about that sort of thing, and she said, uh, "Always, not always, but you know, try to sit at their feet." if you feel like there's blockages you, or something, sit at their feet and massage their feet and you wouldn't believe what would come out of their mouths yes. once you're at that lower level. And you, you sit know, at her yeah, feet yeah. if you feel like there's blocked energy. Yeah. Is that what you just said? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, or just, you know, yeah, like that sort of when you're getting to know them and all that sort of stuff, I guess, that comes up mm. in pregnancy and in labour is she just said sit at their feet yeah. and just start massaging their feet um, and break through that uncomfortable because, you know, the feet is like the sometimes for people. Um, but And she said what, what will happen is mm. things will come up you know, people will start talking to you and connecting with you because you're at that lower level yes. with them. Yeah, you're not, um, in, there's not like yeah. a sense of intimidation. Yeah. And, I, and I just think as, yeah. as animals, yeah. Yeah. we, uh, you know, partly being animals, it's like we we pick up on those vibes and, and it, it's like as primates, you know, there's all this kind of body language that it is um, communicating either I'm here for you and you are safe or I am standing over you and imposing this power position. And it's, um, you know, that comes up a lot, obviously in the hospital. And so that's a big difference really between Mm. I think home birth midwifery and, and hospital birth. Mm. Yeah. There's like a reason why I think, obstetricians have their chairs jacked up higher and bigger desk then you know people sit on these like little piddly things and yeah (laughs) well and all the midwives I know love to sit on the floor we're like floor sitters yeah (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. I mean that's me I love the floor like if there's any chance in the house where there's a good floor spot and then I like what when it comes up when people get really funny about it. They're like, oh, and you know, and it's just cracking that sort of thing that it's like, I love sitting on the floor. I feel much comfortable and much easier to talk to people. Yeah, when I'm absolutely. At and that you know level. what? I mean, I don't, I don't want to digress too much, but this yeah. sound, it, there is a movement. It's like a no furniture movement where. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's better for you. Like, uh, especially like in America and probably, I don't know, maybe Australia too. You know, as people are sitting in their recliners, and that makes a big difference with birth too. If people are are kicked back in their recliners during their pregnancy, mm. that really sets them up to have a posterior baby because the weight of the baby will go towards yeah. the back. Whereas, you know, indigenous people and uh, many different cultures are they're out there in the rice fields and their bellies are kind of hanging over. They're squatting all the time. They're squatting. They've nailed the squat. Like I, I remember when I traveled when I was younger and I just tried to do it every day mm-hmm. to make sure I could sit and nail that squat position. You know, the one like the real legs out and yeah. you're doing all your stuff. And, um, but yeah, it was hard. Like it just ripped at all those muscles that, um, yeah, I've not been used to, but it made sense to me. I felt so much better doing it, and it would make yes. sense with a big belly Ab- to be in that position yeah, absolutely. all the time. And and yeah. I used to squat yeah. all the time when I like when we were in Home Depot and I'm waiting in line when I was pregnant. I would be squatting. I'm sure people were looking at me like I was crazy, but I was like, yeah. I'm tired and whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna squat right here in the middle of the store. Yeah. But you know, it's like. Even in other countries, they have toilets where you have to squat, right? And so now you can buy the squatty potty. And that's like a little thing that goes around your toilet where you can put your feet up on it and it creates the same position of a squat, which helps everything move through. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think that a lot of those postural things are actually a pretty big part of why we struggle with birth uh, just because we're not doing those natural movements because we're sitting in chairs or we're sitting on the toilet in this very kind of unnatural mm. way. And so, so yeah, everyone out there, just get rid of all your furniture. <laughs> just yeah. start. Yeah. Just dump it. Start squatting. <laughs> start squatting. Hanging out, you know, stand, squat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might go just put this microphone on the floor now and do some squatting. Yes. We can squat the rest of the. Oh my goodness! I, yeah. So, okay. I really want to know. Yes. Um, so let's go back to the bus. I want to know what, uh, retrospectively, what that feeling was like for you when you pushed Mountain out and held him in your hands and looked at him. You know that that moment, and then lead us into how you became yes. a okay. midwife so, from there on. So for the rest of the yeah. birth, I, well, I, I remember where I was. I was saying that I had, I thought I, I felt like I was in transition. The that uh, my partner's relatives had come and they were circling the bus and <laughs> listening. And, and my, my yeah. midwife was like, well, you know, do you, would you like me to check you? And I, and I did want to be checked. And she was thinking, oh, you're probably in transition. Well, she checked me and I was only three centimeters. <laughs> so, you know, I think that there is a point where sometimes, um, that earlier, there is maybe like an early transition, that stage of between the, when the cervix is really rigid and then it, it has to soften and start opening. And for me, that was the case. It was, I was like, this is unbearable at three centimeters. And then I, and then I like went just deeper mm. into the trance of it. Just like, okay, I'm going to be annihilated by this energy moving through me and I guess I just have to give in to it and so that went on and on until I became very exhausted and then I fell asleep and I was just sleeping and I'd have a wake up to have a contraction and then I'd just pass back out for hours and hours and so that went on I think that the labor was probably 20 hours long altogether and uh and then once I started pushing I felt so much better. All that pain I was feeling just went away when I was pushing. Uh, but then every time I'd have to take a deep breath to uh, to be able to gather myself to push again, it would get excruciating again just during that time when I would take a deep breath. So I found that to be very a very uh, interesting thing that I noticed for my body on the, on my first birth. And, uh, and at first when I was pushing, I, I pushed and I pushed and I was, I think maybe because of that, I just, I was getting so red in the face and pushing kind of up just, um, and then, so my midwife was trying to help me figure out how to, how to push down, you know, with this, to direct the energy down. And so I went through that a bit. And then, uh, once his head came out, uh, the rest of his body did not come out yet. And she had asked me if I would roll over on my hands and knees. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting because in all my studying at the time, I had no idea that there was a possibility that the baby wouldn't just come out all in one fell swoop. So 
I felt like there this immediate, oh, like there's something, what's going on? And um, so I guess I hadn't gotten to the chapter on shoulder dystocia <laughs> or <laughs> or on, you know, even just it's like sometimes that's natural, a normal physiological thing. The head comes out, then you wait for the next contraction and then it might be three minutes and you're just mm. sitting there with the baby head out and that's okay. But I think, you know, I was, it was really just surprised by that. And then I heard the tone in her voice because she had, was always just the most mellow, loving, easygoing, but she just said all of a sudden, just joy, hold your breath and push. And it was just like very direct and I could feel the urgency. And so I did. And I even, and even though I didn't have a contraction to push with, so it was like, that's where your uterus is so powerful. And I mean, it's so much more powerful than what you could do with your abdominal muscles alone. So it was really, really hard to push without the help of my uterus. Uh, I did it as best as I could. Mm. I could just tell like my baby, I felt like, Oh, my baby's life is on the line right now. And then I pushed him out and I, turned around and she had done she put her hands in there and did a corkscrew maneuver to help him get out and you know granted she may have been even more nervous because we were really out we were remote we were just not anywhere near a hospital I didn't find out later but it had started snowing <laughs> and <laughs> so I mean she may have been thinking just trying to be extra cautious and just let's get this baby out because we're not in a position to be just so lollygagging about it or, or letting this just process unfold. So I'm not sure because it's hard to know in hindsight, you know, because now I have my midwife brain to look back on it with. But um, but when he was born, I, you know, I flipped around and looked at him and he was blue and limp. And I just I had this most panicked feeling like I just thought like, oh, my baby's not okay. And she rubbed him down and I could see a little bit of, you know, nervousness on her face too. And it was just, a, but it was a really brief moment. And then he, you know, started crying and he was fine. And um, so one of the things that has been a dream for me actually has been, I have I had I've taken a lot of photographs of births over the years of being a midwife and I have a dream to publish a book that's just really intense birth pictures of what babies really look like right when they're born. Because I since then, I mean that mm. I felt scared in that moment, you know, but since then I've seen so many babies that come out limp and blue. And then they kind of, I mean, bluish, you know, and then it's just, it takes a moment. There's a big transition yeah, that's yeah. happening in the heart when, as the body is transitioning from uh, fetal circulation to newborn circulation, so breathing through the placenta to breathing through the lungs. And that can be, there can be a moment there where it's like, and everyone always kind of, you know, holds their breath a little bit until, until the baby starts breathing. But I just... Yeah. You know, I want to kind of uh, dispel that thought that, yeah, every baby just comes out pink and screaming and and perfect looking. 
It's like, no, they're going to yeah. be plain and cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Creamy and maybe a little blue and it takes a few minutes and they're just, just give them love. Yeah. That's what they need. They need to know, yeah. Hey, you, we want you here. It's, it's a good yeah. place to be. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it funny how everyone holds a breath waiting yeah. for that breath? Always. <laughs> I know. It's yeah. always that thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's really – I would love to see a book like that as a doula but as a birth worker as um, – but to just share with families because that would be a perfect thing to talk about and talk about the different ways that oh, yeah. what a baby and might look head like when it comes out. The, the, the different um, shapes yeah. of the – you know, just so parents know, yeah. oh, this isn't the way my baby's going to look forever. <laughs> They're not going to have a cone head. It's just a – yeah, you know, momentary thing. <laughs> I, I always hear the dad in this soft little voice saying, "Is this always going to be like this? This head the shape?" Poor you know? parents that are thinking that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to let them know. Like, no, it's okay. It's just a temporary thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, even in the book, you could have like when it comes out with the um, the shape, and then you could have like you know yes, four hours later yes. or. Da, da, and da, I, da, I'm da. really close to getting having yeah. that book yeah. done and ready, actually. So, and that's what I have. I've got yeah because I had this one birth where awesome. the baby was born posterior, and the the head looks like a. I mean, it is just very extreme. Like a, um, it's kind of like a classic. I want to say like a China hat or something, you know, like the way it's just the, this, the molding is not in the back, like where it comes back, like a, a tubular thing. It's like front up, like going straight up Mm. and it's very, very extreme. And then, Mm. and then, you know, about an hour Mm. later after a little Arnica cream, the head looks normal. I have a before and after picture. Yeah. 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 Perfect. So what was the feeling like after the breath holding oh. <laughs> and blue baby and all of, yeah, well, all of that? How was that for you? Being a 20-year-old yeah. well, woman I mean, too, just becoming as, a mum. As he started crying and I uh, knew everything was okay, it was just absolute bliss. I mean, I was just completely elated just so much bliss and uh, and I you know I I I think it was like I held him skin to skin for about a half an hour and then my midwife wanted me to go take a shower and I'm sure by that point she was probably thinking about getting home and her travels (laughs) that were going to be necessary to do that and she wanted to you know make sure that I was okay that I could walk across the field take a shower that I was gonna be okay for her to leave me um and but as a side note here uh back to what we talked about earlier with the whole hemorrhaging thing I didn't have very much bleeding at all um so that was not an issue and so I I went across and took a shower and that was the thing I really regretted I just especially now looking back I I know how important those that first hour to an an hour and a half of bonding time is right after the birth that really should be undisturbed and 
So I felt a little bit of loss, I think, about mm. that, just that I wanted to just stay with him and just be present. And I really didn't care about taking a shower. <laughs> you know? So um, mm. it's like being at a maybe like a really awesome party. Yeah, it's like, wait a minute. Out. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, <laughs> you know? that's a really good analogy, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready to go out there yet. Hang yeah. On. And and so I gave my baby to my mom and I said, don't let anyone hold him because I was just really protective yeah. and I just wanted to, I just didn't want him to move from that spot till I got back. Uh, but in the meantime, mm. Um, mm. the other grandma, my um, husband at the time, his mom had came and asked if she could hold the baby to my mom. And then my mom had to tell her no. And then I think that was yeah. like really kind of traumatic. <laughs> um, so I felt kind of bad about that. I don't know if it would have, yeah. I probably wouldn't have done him any harm. I don't, I yeah. just was feeling protective, you know? Yeah. 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 And that's exactly that. Like you said, you just felt like in retrospect, you broke that. Yeah. Chain those important first few hours. Um, yeah, like you even just you leaving to go have a shower, knowing that baby was safe, is still um, intuitively mm-hmm. for you a big thing, I guess. Yeah. In that really in that process. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. After that, <laughs> what? What it opened okay, up for you so from here on? I had a pretty intense uh, postpartum period. I feel like I I have to um, talk about that a little bit just because it was a big part of it. Uh, where yeah, yeah. I, I I cried for a few days. I mean, it was like probably four days of just a lot of really weepy, really really quick to cry and. But I was so in love with my baby. I was just so in love with him. I wasn't. It was just a really wild combination of just feeling so much love. And I had this epiphany at the moment where I felt, I thought, oh, this is what postpartum depression is. They're talking about, it's because I'm feeling the polarity. When I, I had never loved anyone more in my whole entire life. And it's this little precious baby that I'm responsible for. And it was like the polarity of how much I loved him that this intensity of what he might have to go through in life and that I can't protect him anymore now that he's outside the womb that flooded me. It was like the, as much as I loved him, I had all of this intense uh, weeping and pain around that, like the, that I can't protect him always and forever. He's his own being going to experience this world and, um, it just really, to me, I just felt very clear, like, oh, postpartum depression is the polarity of love, you know, because everything in this world is, uh, got an opposite and there's, you know, there's light, there's dark, there's, um, pain, there's happiness and, you know, on and on. And, and I just felt it so viscerally. It was like, just, oh, observing myself. Oh, that's what that is, you know? So, 
Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking, do you still reflect on that now when you do the work that you do now? Like do you pull back that moment? Yeah. Because that sounds like a pretty profound mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. to come into. You mean when, um, I, when I'm with moms, do I? Yeah, well, just in your journey, mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. wisdom, in the person that you are. Does that yeah. still seem mm-hmm. right to you? Yeah, it really does. What, I mean, it feels yeah. like it was a it was a huge spiritual insight yeah. that that came about life and what this life is about, and and uh, you know, and then as he's grown up, uh, it feels like that control of being able to protect him. You know, it's like every year it gets less and less. You know, as you know, the first little bit, you're doing the kangaroo yeah. care, the skin on skin, the fourth trimester where you're right there together. And then that starts to pretty soon they want to start kind of sitting up on their own and then they want to go explore on their own and then they want to come back and check in with you. But as the years go on and on, uh, you have to give up that sense of being able to protect them more and more. And so it's like this yeah. process of letting go. And and I suppose being 20 with Mountain now, you've had to come mm-hmm. through a big letting go process mm-hmm. into yeah. adulthood well, and in, life. In many and, ways, I think I was still growing yeah, up, yes, yeah. when I was raising him. And I um, I, uh, I think about yeah. that a lot because I, I wish that I, I just told him yesterday, actually, I was talking to him on the phone and I said, you know, I just went to school with uh, your little brother yesterday and walked, you know, walked him through just to be there and see what a day at school is like for him and stuff. And he loved it. And he was so proud of me and proud to show me off to all his friends. And uh, I just, I told my older son Mountain about it. And I said, you know, I really, I'm, I'm sorry. I really wish I could have been more present with you when, you know, and giving you more of the presence that you needed, you know, because I think about that stuff. It's like, yeah, at 20, I was not where I am now (laughs) in terms of being able to be a mother. And, and, you know, of course, mountains, you did, you did a good job, mom. Don't worry. You know, (laughs) but but I, you know, I think about that. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, you, you were in such a different. I mean, yeah, twenty is it is really young and ripe. And even though biologically it's probably the best age, you know, when the twenty year olds are all out partying, yeah. going, "I don't need to sleep. You can come bounce yeah. back really quick." And da 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 da. It's when they should yes. be breastfeeding and not sleeping. And oh, know, yes. it's like exactly. the ripe age to mother. Exactly. And you know, the other thing I yeah. would say is just that um, his dad and I went separate ways when he was nine months old. And I think that that's a big, you know, as just the reality of how things are in our culture these days is that a lot of parents are splitting up. And that's another aspect because Mm. that meant that I had to let go even way faster of being able to control his environment or what keeping him safe and I just had to like let go okay you came into this world your own being I believe you chose your mom and your dad or you ha- you know there were things that you needed from each of us in terms of who we are and and how we're going to affect your life and that 
there was a big part where I had to just let go and mm. just go, okay. I mean, and that was, that was a hard process, but I think I had to let go a lot faster than any other, and than someone else would if they uh, were still together with the parents. You're listening to the Circle of Birth podcast, circleofbirth.com. Yeah, so coming from that, um, your journey into midwifery, the birth of you as a midwife, that's a huge transformation mm-hmm. in itself. Do you want to briefly tell yeah. us about that story? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, you know, I think it was when Mountain was about, I had thought about it during the pregnancy because of just how interested I had been all the time in all the books and wanting to know every little detail of what was going on in my body. But then, of course, I got a little sidetracked mm-hmm. with just raising a baby. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, and I, at, at one point I went to Hawaii and I, I, I did a... Um, a massage tr- practitioner training, and I thought I maybe was going to do that, and then that didn't feel quite right. And at some point, it, when Mountain was about two and a half, it really just hit me. Uh, I had actually I was going to Evergreen State College in Olympia, and I had started a prison project doula a, a doula prison project. Um, basically where I spearheaded this group that's still going now. It's, they're called the birth attendants. And um, they go and meet with, and we started out doing um, kind of groups with pregnant women in prison at Gig Harbor uh, Prison. And, um, and then evolved my whole goal was to evolve that into being able to attend births with so as a doula incarcerated. Role, you would, oh, because, right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I was inspired by this group that was doing it in um, somewhere in Europe, but I and it's been so long that now I can't remember. Mm. I'd love to look look back into who that group was, but uh, but yeah, it was a big deal with trying to navigate the, the correctional system and then gaining their trust and letting to let us get in there and, and go with the company, these women to the hospital, because I mean, cuffs, they're yeah. being taken yeah. to the hospital in handcuffs in labor. And I would, you know, we would um, be there to kind of what ended up feeling like per- energetically almost protecting them from the guards that were standing there over them and just the energy, the whole dynamic just to be a, a light, a, a light for them during their labors. And so, yeah, I was, I started out doing that and then I got really, uh, somehow the calling just hit that, Oh, I'm, I'm, I need to be a midwife. And so I started looking into it. And I found this really great um, school, the um, Birthing Way College of Midwifery, and uh, that was in Portland. And so I had to leave this prison project that I started, which was pretty uh, awesome and phenomenal, you know. So that was really sad yeah, to me, kind of leave that. Even, how, how many <laughs> women go, did you work with during yeah. that time? Well, so I had, um, when I 
spearheaded the project, I had um, been, it, it really started out with a lot of the, 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 um, what were we calling it? Like a prenatal group, you know, we weren't allowed to call it childbirth ed because I don't think I had certification to be childbirth education teacher at the time. So we were just doing like a pregnancy group, um, to, and we would talk about their feelings and do a lot of the same stuff that you would do just childbirth preparation, like drawing a picture of what you, how you're feeling right now being pregnant or what you're feeling, you know, what you would like to see during the birth or what your fears are and, um, and just qu answering questions and those kind of things. Um, and so that was really the stage that it was at when I left. We hadn't even breached mm -hmm. into being able to be there with moms. But once I went to Portland during the births, but once I went to Portland, um, I tried to start another chapter of it there in Portland. And I went to a couple of births there. And that was where I really kind of got to see the inside of, of mm. what that was like. And it was yeah. heartbreaking, really heartbreaking. And, and yet felt really meaningful. And then we got shut down there really quickly because uh, the hospital yeah. didn't want yeah. doulas there. And I hear that that same hospital now is really um, actually doing pretty has changed their tune and are very friendly to doulas now. So if I was still in Portland, it might be a nice yeah. time to retry that. But and so the group that you left are still going. And so, Is that right? Great. The, mm -hmm. the group that you left, yeah. birth What's that? Atten was it called birth attendance? Did you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're still going. The, yeah, the birth attendance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Yeah, they're still going. Yes, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's really fantastic. Um, it's really a nice thing to know that I was instrumental in starting something that just where yeah. others have carried on the the legacy and just kept going with that. the The idea it, it was, um, yeah, you know, it's definitely well, there's a big need. As a student midwife, I would so, love yeah, to really see good. that student midwives exposed to that more and to be able to do their continuity care subjects in in prisons or with women to offer that continuity of care and to see what that would look like. I mean, you could do studies yeah. on all sorts of things, but it's evident if you've got someone there that, you, like you said, going to the hospital in handcuffs is already, um, you know, such a letdown to that woman. Um, how's that going to progress the labour and all sorts of things. So just to have that someone there, that light, that beacon of light that knows you, um, offers hope, I guess, for their rehabilitation and for them becoming out of prison and all sorts of things. Like that's the imprint, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yes, yes, it's really intense. Um, and there, there was a little video that was made uh, actually after I left about it that, Someone cartoonified the um, the inmates, the women, and um, yeah, that'd be great. I can I'll pass that along to you if you'd like to see it. Mm. Yeah, I think I think people would probably so be you interested. Did in you studies? And yep. Yes. Yeah, so then I I I moved to Port to Portland. I 
trained as a midwife and and I, I dove <laughs> and in. And so what was diving in look looked like for you? Like what was the system like or the place that you studied? Did you well, what sort of births did you work with? Did you have to apprentice? Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was a four-hour, four, I'm sorry, yeah. four-hour, four-year training um, in in for education, um, for the educational component, and then I did a, a two-year apprenticeship at a birth center, and then well, actually two different birth centers. So kind of combined, most of it was at one birth center, and then I was uh, hired on after that and asked to be a midwife at that birth center. Um, but I had felt that during my training, I hadn't had enough emergencies come up that I felt like I really needed more experience before I was really felt strong enough to take on being the person in charge <laughs> if something goes wrong, you know, and um, the midwife, you know, really that guardian holding that space and feeling confident about it. And so I um, actually did... Uh, Signed up to go to a birth center in Mexico and, or not in Mexico, sorry, in Texas on the border of Mexico um, so that I could hopefully see some emergencies, get more training um, that summer. And then I was going to come back and, and start practicing as a midwife. And uh, that was really a huge eye opener, game changer. I mean, that we could do an entire podcast just mm. about my experience there. Um, it was just briefly. I will just say it was. I felt like wow. I descended into hell. <laughs> it was horrible because I mean, all these women were coming across the border to have their babies so that um, they could ha- get citizenship. And this birth center was treating these women like they were in just very inhumanely. It was a very racist uh, environment. They were, you know, making everyone give birth, laying flat on Mm -hmm. their back in the McRoberts position and doing all these things that were just completely the opposite of the training that I had had about letting just being there to support women to do what feels right to them in labor and I just thought this is not midwifery this is like worse than this is like the hospital they were doing forehand catches and pulling on babies heads and it was just very 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 traumatic and they were um just it was a a very negative energy um and so anyway, what I learned there was um, what yeah. I didn't want to be, <laughs> what kind of midwife I didn't did not want to be like. And um, I, uh, I ended up actually leaving very early from that. And it was, um, you know, I, I don't yeah, want to get, yeah. it, it would yeah. just take too long to explain all the details. It. <laughs> it's a very fast decision yeah. yes yeah maybe next we'll do another another episode on it but the next um time I and I just very quickly left and I took a bus and across Mexico and I went and studied with the Mexican midwife up in the mountains in Tialpa near Cuernavaca and um she was just exquisite true mm. medicine woman and, you know, I only had a few weeks with her, but I, and I don't 
you know, I, I only speak a little bit of Spanish. They didn't speak any English, but I would sit with her and she would have pregnant women come every day or, um, you know, even people with broken bones or just different things wrong. She was a true healer of the community. And so I just sat and watched and learned and was able to help her with a couple of births and see how they do things there. And that was kind of, and then I felt like, okay, now I'm, I'm ready. And so then I went back to the birth center and I um, had my started practicing. Right, and so you went and worked in the same role at the birth center. At the birth center, yeah. Portland, at the birth yeah. center that was back in Portland. Yeah. Yes, the one that. And so from then yeah. on, yeah. so you've got a six-year-old, your second son. Um, yeah. So from yes. what? Yeah. So what happened from the birth center to when you got pregnant with um, your second son? Does that make sense? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a yeah. lot. Oh boy. You know what, Allie? I got to tell you, I'm actually um, writing a book about yeah, um, yeah. this whole journey. I would read that book. And, um, and <laughs> I'm totally just, in. Yeah. Good. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. good. You don't I'll know how hard I'm trying not to ask about a gazillion <laughs> no. questions that are just like spewing out of my brain. Oh, I lost. <laughs> oh, did you? I lost you for a Ask minute. you You're a million questions that are like vomiting out my brain. I'm just trying to reel it back. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. You can ask me anything. I just, I'm like, wow, that, that's a lot happened during that, yeah. that yeah. Um, period. So, yeah, so did you stay at the birth center? Or at, like, so say as a midwife, did you, like before, when you were pregnant with your second boy, what were you doing mm-hmm. midwifery-wise? Yes. Uh, what were you I'm doing midwifery-wise? Were you, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when I got pregnant with my, um, you know, I, I waited a long time. My my um, older son was 11 by the time that I was pregnant uh, because I was really trying to wait for the right person. And uh, I was practicing midwifery full on. So it was a birth center where I would do four to six, sometimes more births, uh, a month. We'd have three months on and then one month off. And so I was in a full blown practice by the time that when I was pregnant with Tulane. (laughs) And yes. So I went to a lot of births when he was, uh, in the womb and at one birth in particular, cause he had been breech, um, all the way up to 37 weeks. And I, you know, I am, I guess I'm of the school of thought that I'm not really a big fan of external version, uh, being, and you know, I mean, I think in terms of trying to turn a breech baby, I think that there's a lot of different things that, um, you can try for turning a breech that are really non-intervention, not, you know, you can go upside down in a swimming pool or you can, do moxibustion or you can do acupuncture or mm-hmm. a slant board and, or you can have, uh, you know, put ice, uh, let's see, you put ice the top, yeah. at, at the top and a heat pack at the bottom. So that, cause the baby's head's going to want to try to go towards the heat or you can have the, the, the dad or the other partner talk, 
uh, down below to try to get the see if the yes. head can go. Yeah. Like, what is that? I want to get closer to that noise. So there's all these. I you know I'm. A, I'm. Those are all great. But in terms of doing an external version and like purposefully manually turning the baby, I um, you know, I guess I just really believe that babies are going to be born and there, there's a huge innate wisdom that they have, and that if if that baby is uh, breached, that there might be a wisdom and a reason for it and that it might be better and safer for them if that's Mm. the position that they're choosing. And so I just thought, you know, and plus in all my years of midwifery and watching how difficult it is to have a posterior birth with all that back labor and just that's not – an optimal fit for a baby to come out posterior. It's really, um, tough. And, and a lot of moms really their, their pelvises with, with the posterior, it's just not going to happen. Although I have seen, uh, several babies come out posterior where, you know, they call that native Americans call them stargazers or, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) sunny side up is, you know, another, another term. And, and it does happen, but it, it, sometimes it can't just because it's just, that's just not, it's the widest diameter of the head and the molding is not going to be able to happen very well there. And, and I know I mentioned that to you a little bit about, uh, one of the pictures I have for the book I want to publish but um, so I just was thinking I would rather give birth to a breech baby mm. than a posterior baby. <laughs> and I was thinking I would if my baby wants to be posterior and and he's not going to move. And I didn't know if it was a, a boy or a girl, but I just thought I'm not going to um, really I'm going to trust that my baby knows what position he wants to be in. So I didn't do a whole lot about it. I just said, oh, he was, he wonder if he's going to be breached. <laughs> um, but then one day I was sitting at a birth and my apprentice was sitting across the room from me and the mom was in the tub in labor and I had, you know, 37 week, pretty big belly and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden both of us, she was looking over and all of a sudden my belly went like thump and it just was like totally changed shape and then went thump again. <laughs> and it was just like, boom, what, right there while we were at a labor that wow. um, he decided to go ahead. And down. the mom that was in labor could see it too. Was she watching? Did you say? Oh, okay. Uh, so she I was at no the person idea, next no. to you. She was just. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Well, it was my yeah. apprentice. My apprentice. She was yeah. sitting across the room. And so, yeah. The yeah. mom was just in labor land. We were yeah. just quietly sitting, you know, with her and going to be going over to check heart tones periodically and stuff. So, yeah, it was pretty fun to my apprentice and I just made eye contact over the across the room, like and a big, like wide mouth, like, ah, whoa. What did it feel <laughs> like? That did happen. it feel like a big drop? Or? So, uh, it just felt like yeah. a big shift. I mean, it just felt like I could just feel yeah. him moving around. And, you know, the other thing I will say about my midwifery background and then being pregnant is that because I was so used to palpating babies every day, I would be feeling them with my hands and trying to, you know, every day that was my job. I'll, you know, I palpate probably eight to 10 babies a day and see what position they're in and listen to their heartbeat and everything. And so, um, I, I was just so used to doing that, that I would palpate him all the time. I'd be like 
find his head and shake it around and then find his bottom and then shake it around. And then like, what, where's your hand? Where's this? Where's that? So I was just completely just squeezing him all the time. (laughs) I mean, at one point I even thought I was like, I got a little paranoid, like, oh my gosh, I did too much. Like, is he okay? Did I squish, like squish his face? Like, what? Um, but no, he was completely perfect, and um, and now he's very um, yeah. I was just gonna cuddly. say, does he like cuddles? Must <laughs> yeah, yes, very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like with the family bed, like if he's if I'm um, rolled over uh, facing the other way. He'll be like, oh, turn over. And so you, yeah. he was born at home. So you had a midwife yeah. with you. Was that a midwife from that you knew or? Well, yeah. Yeah. So I actually had two people plan to be there. My um, most adored midwife that I mentor who I just, really think super highly of and think is um a really really great midwife and I had her her name's Adele and I had her she was planning to come to the birth and then my apprentice Heather was going to come to the birth and um Heather is actually now practicing midwifery in Mm. Alaska which is pretty pretty wild fun but um no so I uh but I (laughs) now it's funny because I thought I was with the fir- my first baby. I thought I was going to go over with the second baby. I thought I was going to go early, and then he was late. <laughs> so he went to forty one weeks in three days, and I thought, um, okay, well, so there was he was born on um, May fifth, which is actually not only Cinco de Mayo, but it's also International cool. Midwifery Day. <laughs> And so, (laughs) yeah, and so there was a big march. There was like a big march in Salem that was, um, that was happening at the, at the Capitol, um, about the, you know, women's issues and all of the, it was all about midwifery. And, um, I, so all the midwives were going to be there marching for our, our rights and, I had um, made a joke that I was gonna go there with my belly painted, and it, I was gonna paint on it forty-one and three, and no NSC. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, for stress, everyone out there, yeah. non-stress NSC non-stress test, and those are you know that's one of the laws. If if you get to a certain point past your due date then they want you to go in for an ultrasound and they want to check on all of these different things. And so I was feeling quite rebellious to that because I knew that my baby was okay and that babies just come in different times. And um, so, but ironically, I didn't end up getting to do that because I went into labor. (laughs) It's funny, isn't it? It's like the time you think, of what you think and you just, you just never know do you oh, yeah 
No, you don't. And it's so funny because I always like counsel other women to just try not to, you know, just do a guest date and don't worry about it. And it's so funny that I, um, that I was really just so, I just thought, I thought I knew what was going to (laughs) happen for me. And it just, no, just goes to show just, don't you cannot yeah. expect anything in birth yeah so, no. <laughs> and so how did the labor go and what was it like introducing him to the world for you well um that was a pretty different experience you know when i had seen in the in the, all the textbooks and everything that i had read it had oh you know what he's I told him that he just got a watch yeah. for Christmas and I just he's got it on and I just told him when it gets to this certain point then my oh, gonna be is almost it done because I was yeah, and, yeah he's walking out here and showing me his watch he's like looking at me and pointing to the watch <laughs> so I Colleen do you hello want to say hello for a minute no. just no, no. Oh. he says he's hungry let me see if I can just... he's okay but yeah I that's fine <laughs> I edit all this anyway so Okay, now we're on. This podcast is like birth. You just don't (laughs) know. I've always, like at the start, I was like, yeah, they'll just probably go for like 40 minutes and da-da-da. And I've not had one go for that long. They've all been over an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. And you know what? I've learned sometimes I will like split one into two because um, uh, it was just, it it can help that way sometimes. Sometimes people don't have an attention span or they yeah. only have, you know, like a half, listen, ha- an yeah. hour to yeah. listen or something. But yeah, so I'll do it that way sometimes. But, um, but yeah, so, so what was I saying? Sorry. I was saying that yeah. oh, the textbooks, they were, they all, um, say that, you know, after about five to, well, it wasn't maybe, maybe it was after 10 years, something like that, that your body goes back to basically being like a prime up again. Hmm that you can expect to to not have a shorter smoother labor which you know in all my experience a multip once you've already had a baby the way has been paved the next birth is usually much faster and much just more ease because it's the way has been paved yeah so I see that with, especially if someone has a baby, maybe like two or three years after their first baby, it's really just can make for a fast birth to the point where you really need to be prepared to, to get to where you're going, um, so that you can be there for the multip or if they're going to be at the birth center, you know, you don't want to say, Oh, it's probably early labor, go back to sleep. It's like, Oh, if there's a sign of labor, like let's get where we're going. Cause you've already just done this. Your body's gonna be ready. And so I, but I wasn't expecting that even though it was my second baby because of the textbooks, I thought, Oh, well, it's been about 12 years. It's going to be, I thought, Oh, this is going to be like another 20 hour labor. Um, which was not the case. So, and I told you a little bit about the the funny part about um, 
Kulain's dad and his presence, yeah, <laughs> his yeah. intense masculine presence. So that was part part of it. But so yeah, it was just a lot of waiting because we didn't know. And every every day we would just walk and look at the flowers. That around May fifth, there was a lot of buds and flowers about to bloom, and I just felt like I was one of those. And so my connection with the earth and everything was a really important part of leading up to the birth and. And at one point, I just in prenatally, I got really scared, actually. You know, I just I think because of everything I'd seen, it was I was like, oh, my gosh, like I'm what it, what is going to happen? You know, this is I just I've seen so many women go through labor in so many different ways. And um, so I did have some fear come up. And that was when I called my mom the second time. And I was like, can you just can you come? I'm, you know, I, and so she came early and, um, every night we would just light candles and just had a really kind of ritualistic experience of peacefully waiting for him. Um, although I did still, yeah, I had that kind of fear, fear element going on, but then once I went into labor again, it was the middle of the night. I had had no previous, any sign, but in the middle of the night I woke up and like, oh, I'm in labor. <laughs> and I just, I went and I didn't wake anyone up. I was thinking it's going to be a really long time. I'm just going to go do my own thing for a while. Let them all sleep so that my birth team is not exhausted. So I went and I started a bath and I went and got in the bath. And then there was like, I was in the bath till it started getting cold, I think, a little bit cold. And I, and I had this um, kind of wave of nausea. And I thought, oh my gosh, I I better get out and go make myself like a quick little, I'll just mix some protein powder with something and just get something in my stomach because I think I must be low blood sugar or something, you know? And so I got out of the tub to go do that and it was probably around 5 a.m. And right then when I went got to the to the kitchen, I heard the bathroom door shut like someone had snuck into my bathroom. Like <laughs> my mom had taken the opportunity to go and use the bathroom. And I was like, Oh no. Cause I had been thinking like I had to get to the kitchen, get the drink and get back in the water before the next. Before yes. the next contraction hit. <laughs> and so I was like, no, someone's in my tub, like in my bath bathroom. And so I opened the door and she's like, are you in labor? Yeah. <laughs> so I need to back, get back in. So I, I went back in and um, they they woke up and started filling the tub. And then pretty soon I started getting these, um, it started getting stronger and stronger. And so I was doing this horse lips thing with my mouth where I'd go like, <sighs> it just came naturally. I haven't really seen a lot of people do that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I do know that anything that can help to keep your lips loose and um, relaxed, open is going to be really helpful since the lips and the throat and the mouth are all very connected with the cervix mm. and the vagina. So if you can keep those things open and loose, it helps. So I just was like naturally doing that with every contraction. And then um, the two people that I had wanted at the birth because I had gone over more than I had expected. They both actually had travel plans because we were all on call on this schedule where then you have a month off. So then you have a chance to go travel or do stuff. 
So they were gone. So I ended up having two other people that um, ended up coming that were people that I knew. And they mostly just hung out in the other room and just were there just in case. And so, um, so yeah. So then let's see. The But before they everyone got the tub ready, the bathtub that I was in was really getting cold now. (laughs) And I just remember thinking, is it going to be, should I just stay in here cold or is it going to be better if I get out? Like it was just, I don't know. I, so finally, I think I just stayed in the water when it was cold because it was, I just didn't like the feeling of being out. Even having to plan, like (laughs) getting out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. Just yeah, like let's figure no, something no, out. Yeah. No, I was like, no, I'm just gonna stay here. Tell me yeah. when the tub's ready. So then I I went and got in the tub, and that felt really good. And and um, things were happening really rapidly. Like the rushes were coming really fast, one after another. Really, really, really powerful. And I had I had actually really wanted to have an orgasmic birth. That was my my plan. And um. And then, so I thought, oh, you know, I might want to like be kissing with my partner and just doing like being really loving because that's going to get the oxytocin flowing. And, um, but I was also very aware that, yeah, if you are being loving, your oxytocin is going to flow more and that's going to increase your contractions and get everything moving. But everything was already (laughs) moving really fast. So my, my, um, partner at the time came out and he goes, he said to me, like, I love you. And I was like, and he had known that I really wanted to do an orgasmic birth and like was kind of going for that and wanted to be all lovey dovey. And, but when he said that to me, when he said, I love you, I said, don't say that to me. (laughs) Cut that one off. (laughs) Yeah, he must have been totally confused. But in my head, I was like thinking, I cannot take any more. Like, I'm at maxed out. I there's no, I cannot kick up the not like the, the oxytocin right now. So don't do anything to, to increase my oxytocin. Is that afterwards when he went into the presence present face? <laughs> Um, yeah. probably maybe yes, yes. yeah maybe I, that maybe that little rejection yeah. has something to do with it cross the oxytocin love off I, the list right what's next be present yeah right okay yeah. I'm present yeah exactly <laughs> oh my goodness oh so so yeah so so then um he but he got in the tub and was yeah just being ultra present and I was just you know really really internal so it was very opposite of my other birth where I really wanted to eye contact at this time I just wanted to go inside I wanted my eyes closed I wanted to be in with myself and I didn't want to look at that intense presence (laughs) so I um but you know things could kept going and then it, it hit a level where so then I started making moan like I felt that I kept continued to um make sounds to match the frequency of the intensity of what I was experiencing you know and it just felt like the whole energy of the whole universe was like thrashing its way through my body like and there was nothing I could do about it it was just like okay step aside because there is 
the whole the a wave of the entire universe is going to move through you now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's really how it felt. And I so I was like making really loud noises to like um, moaning and stuff to get through it. And then and then came a point where the intensity level reached a point where I was wanting to do like really high pitched screaming to match it. And just in all my training, you know, I've helped countless women to tell them like to bring it down. So instead of like, ah, when you like, ah, like that, it's like you're bringing the energy up. But when you can go, oh, you know, then you're put, you're kind of being more helpful to the flow of the birth, Mm. right? And more in tune in that way. So it can be helpful. But for me, I even having known all that stuff, you know, I was even saying like, I know, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but it's helping me. (laughs) Like, this is what I need to be doing, you know? And I just knew it was. And um, in between the rushes, I was happy and glowing and I felt like everything around me was glowing. I really felt like it was like an ecstatic birth for me, but I was during the rushes screaming and that was okay. That was just what I needed to be doing. And Um, I checked myself and I was eight centimeters and then I did um, more screaming probably for a couple more hours or maybe an hour because the whole thing was only like six hours. But I and I I figured it out because I had had a lip. There was so my this baby Kulain was like just slightly asynclitic which made it so that I had just a little bit of a lip on one side of my yeah. cervix. So everything was dilated except for this one little spot. And then when that happens, it can swell a little bit and it's just a sharp, sharp pain. So when you checked so, yourself, could you feel that lip already or was it too early? Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so I just thought, well, I'm, I, but I went with that for like an hour of the screaming and I was matching that intensity. And then at some point I knew I just, I know what I need. I need the burst tool and I just need to push this baby out now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just, it's, it's not, it's, it's we're going to stay like this until I give a little oomph to get through that lip. And so I, um, but it was like, this is how I describe the feeling. If you've ever seen the Titanic and you know, like how she's, everybody's fallen off the boat and she's like balancing on that one board and the boats are coming back and they're like searching and she knows they're there, but she's kind of frozen and in her own world. And she's like, come back, come back. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was how I felt. Like I was like, I couldn't, I could not relay. I couldn't communicate with the outside world. I was just so enveloped in the moment. And I just wanted to tell my, the, the woman, that the midwife that I had there to get me the birth stool, but I could barely, I mean, it was like, took so wow. much energy just to even yeah. get that out. It's kind of like when you're in the bath like, and just trying to plan to get downstairs or wherever to get into the pool. Um, it's like mm-hmm. that same planning mechanism, which is just you. Yes, yes. But even more so, more so yeah. because I was like, it was good because it, it had built so much. And I was like in this, my own bubble. But I knew what I needed, but I couldn't. Yeah, I just was like, uh, somebody like I needed someone in my face at that point, you know, because so I could just tell them without spending very much energy. I love the Titanic reference. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. How, somehow much it felt. So. 
So then um, finally, I was able to tell someone, just get the birth stool. And I think part of it too was I was afraid because I knew if that that was going to, it was going to hurt to get out. It was going to be a, you know, I'm going to have to push through this part. It's going to be harder <laughs> for a minute, you know? So, but then, yeah, I got the birth stool. They helped me out. I got on the, on the um, stool and with one push, I was already seeing the, um, about like a a lemon sized opening I could feel his head already just coming out so I was absolutely right that was all I needed was the burst stool. Mm-hmm. and then the next push he was you know it was more like just about ready to crown and so then it was like oh get back in the tub <laughs> get back in the tub and then um and then uh I that's when I smooched with my partner at the time because that can be really, really helpful for preventing tearing and keeping your vagina really nice and loose and, and um, soft. And so, and then I, I, uh, I pushed and had my hand there the whole time. So I was really um, mindful not to push too hard so, so that I could give my tissue time to stretch. And and only with the the rushes too. So I just was you know breathing and and letting that happen. And then um, and then I he he was more like a his head came out and then his body. Oh no no actually there was a no I'm okay, take that back. There was a pause until the next contraction until his body came out. But I just didn't have any fear about it. It was just like oh okay his head's out and we're just hanging out until. Uh, the next rush and then his whole body came out and I it's just funny because I I I kind of forgot that there was a cord that or anything that I should be worried about oh and I should back up and say I actually chose not to have heart tones listened to because I really wanted to just go inside and I feel like it's such an interruption Mm. for me I just trusted that I could feel him moving around I was in tune with my baby I knew if he was safe. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did ask once the water broke, I just said, that was my plan. I wanted to do <clears throat> one check with the fetoscope just to check after the water broke. Cause sometimes when the water breaks, then the baby can shift position and there's a chance of cord compression. Mm-hmm. So I, I had someone, the midwife came over and listened with the fetoscope and it all sounded good. So that was the only time I had checked heart tones at all. And uh, and then, so, but when he his body came out, I just was so excited. I just like grabbed him and pulled him up to me. I didn't even check to see if there was a short cord or if there was a cord wrap or anything, which <laughs> I was just like not thinking about it. But I didn't need to because there wasn't anything like that. Um, what was really interesting is that he did have a true knot in his cord. And so that's really rare. I think it's like maybe 1% of births. Uh, So he had moved around so much in utero that he had tied an actual true knot in his cord. And, um, and that's really just a testament to how amazing the, the cord is and the Wharton's jelly and everything. It's just made to, to sustain life, even when there's a knot in it, mm. it's gonna keep pulsing that um, the blood through. Not to say that things don't happen where it could be totally compressed, but it can go through a lot and withstand a lot and still be 
pushing lots of blood through. With that tie, did in your midwifery experience, did with watching the blood pulsate through, did that seem to take longer with the knot or did you like watch it after he was born? Oh, with the pulsate? Yeah. Um, no, no, it was fine. Yeah. It wasn't because because the thing is, is that um, the Wharton's jelly really is going to prevent it from becoming a really taut mm. knot. Mm. Unless, unless it was a really short cord or something was like, or it was really tangled, yeah. you know, beyond that. So it was, no, it wasn't, it was fine. And, you know, we got some pretty fun pictures of the cord and the knot and the placenta <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I just, I pulled him right up to me and just explored every inch of his body and his face and he his face was a bit scratched up <laughs> so he had been been kind of he was a bit overdue you yeah. know just taking his time he liked it in there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was scratching at his face and stuff but um yeah and I could see the little mark on his head on the side where it was um you could tell the acyclitic yeah. where his head had had kind of pushed up onto my pubic bone a bit on the way mm. out wow. so yeah and then it wasn't that long before i gave birth to the placenta and um and then yeah, i stayed in the tub with him probably for an hour and a half at least just staring at him totally enraptured in him and his and he was very present and just saying hello and checking us out and um and then afterwards you know when I got once I got out of the tub and I was holding him skin to skin and I was walking around and just I felt like I could still run a marathon I was just like I'm fine I'm just walking around the house I'm think and just but with the baby and um oh it was just the most exhilarating blissful experience that I I mean, I remember um, just thinking, I want to do this. I want to have like four more. <laughs> <laughs> That's the feeling when you know biology is working right, isn't it? The physiological yeah. body <laughs> priming you for more. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, and so yeah. your, you know, postpartum time was different or went well? Obviously, because you're, yeah. Well, with this postpartum time, I didn't have the blues or any sadness or anything. So, I mean, I don't know. It makes me think that that polarity that I was feeling the first time had to do, there was more to do with it being the first time. And, Mm. um, and I had kind of walked through that already. Yeah. So it's like I was more prepared and then. And also I thought, well, maybe some of it was nutritional because when the first time I was running all over the place, being a, to festivals and just a totally, just, um, I wasn't a midwife, so I wasn't aware of how to take really good care of my nutrition and my body. And I was eating organic back then, but it wasn't probably not quite enough. I only, I didn't gain any weight during the pregnancy, only baby and water and placenta. So like that, but with my first, the, right after he was born, I weighed the exact same as I did when I found out I was pregnant. And 
I think you can do that and still be have um, good nutrition, but uh, you know, eleven years later, I I had I I had gained some weight, probably I don't know how much I don't don't really remember twenty pounds or something mm-hmm. like that, maybe twenty thirty pounds, and then I um, I, but I was really aware of what I was eating and all the vitamins and minerals, so that might have been a play into it, I think. And then also I did eat my, ingested my placenta partly in a smoothie and then partly I encapsulated the rest. And that might've been a really big part of, uh, of feeling good. Just not, I just, I was just, I had plenty of energy and I was really happy and good. Um, the other, the only thing I will say is again, I kind of had an issue with the with um the mother-in-law thing Mm. and but this time it was really mild I mean like um Kulain's grandma on that side is a total sweetheart and I and wonderful person but when but when she and her husband came about a couple hours after the birth um I was laying there, you know, and they came in from the traffic and they were talking about their traffic and this and that and just bringing the energy Energy, from the outside world in. And I just remember just being kind of just knowing that I didn't want to, I, I was, we were just in a, in a bubble. We were in a bubble before that, you know, and I, and then she wanted to hold the baby, of course, which I did let her do, but the whole time she was holding the baby, I was feeling like someone just cut off my arm and they were holding my arm. (laughs) I I want my baby back and I just want to be looking at him right now. I don't want to have to feel like I have to have this conversation with, you know, this, the the social thing that yeah. the social rules and what you just oh yeah your traffic was bad oh I'm you know yeah, da, da. Yeah. you know it's like no I didn't want to be doing yeah, that it's, it's that outside world again because you've gone into the depths of your internal being like that shamanic practice and then you've, you're still in there <laughs> yes it's like that party analogy again it's like I'm not ready to kind of leave this room you know <laughs> yeah don't bring it in here my though. Private- <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really so I, I mean yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was saying it's really interesting exploring that because it comes up a lot for me in the doula role. Um people will bring it up and say, "Oh, I'm just worried about this family member that they're really going to come and I really want to be obliged because they're traveling from A, B, and C." And to sort of talk them through that, yeah. but there's still this sense of obligation that oh, I'm not, I'll just let them cuddle the baby and then, you know, da 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 da. Um, yeah. Just to be yes. able to say no oh, to, I, that, to people, and I know what it's like to say no to them. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. And so, yeah, I have an episode of the Birth with Joy podcast that's called The Birth Bliss Bubble. And it's a concept that I came up with with Kulain's birth that I really want to, I, again, like I would like, I would like to write maybe a short little book about, about the birth bliss bubble, but that's, it's about this exactly the the thing we're talking about. And, and when, during that process, like when that was happening, I feel like I was 
mature enough and I had enough, I was blissed out enough with the birth and everything that it's like, it didn't really take a huge toll on me. It was just a kind of a moment where I was witnessing what I was feeling and what was going on that gave me this insight that like, oh, this is not the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. women need to have that birth bliss bubble protected Yeah, and, and, and hold that sacred and to, to find a way to express that to people so that they can choose it if they want to, that just the importance of that, because all those hormones and all that energy that goes into the birth and that you're just exploding with, those are meant to bond you with your baby. Yeah. That's how, like, that's why it's like, well, I'm supposed to be staring at my baby right now. Yeah. (laughs) And my baby back at me, not use, not giving that energy to someone else. Yeah. That's right. In that moment, you know, and, and I really believe that all, if, that if you can protect that space as best you can, that you can stay on a birth high for a year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, I'm really feeling into what you're saying. And I honestly believe like it's could only be just three, four hours or however many day, even days for some people, if they can do it, but even just those first few hours, if you can protect that space plays out into the future, yes. because you don't get that back again. And I think it's in, mm. within our right yeah, to no, protect you can't. It and hold it and yeah. <clears throat> and honor that because it's only two yeah. hours, but you never get that back again. <laughs> and then, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Just like you said, I think it sets you up for um, hormonal regulation and how your body reacts to the postpartum time and all that sort of stuff. So, yes, yeah, absolutely. And I felt like there were other physical signs that showed up later that um, affirmed that too for, for me, because, um, when, let's see, I think we, we decided to go to the grocery store at seven days and we parked and I just remember holding him and walk, starting to walk through the parking lot. And it's like, there was a van and it kicked out this huge amount of black smoke. And we were like, ah, like run, (laughs) run with the baby away from the smoke. And then it was like, you know, and then all of a sudden, like somebody was smoking a cigarette and we're trying to walk through. We're like, ah, oh no, like try to get away from it. And then we get into the new seasons to the, the health food store. And it's like, everyone wants to look and then it's like somebody's sneezing and someone else is coughing. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, let's go. Let's get out of here. I was like, this was not a good idea. You know, it's like, I, I wanted to show him off, but it was like, it, it all just became very clear. And then, um, a, like a week, it was like a week right at, right after that. Um, I had, I don't know if it has anything to do with this, but I had put coconut oil on his body because he had been late. He, so he had had a little bit of like dry skin and peeling skin. And I think I put the coconut oil on his body because someone was coming to visit, you know, it's like that, like, Oh, like let's try to, you know, make him look just 
get the peely skin gone, right? Oh, okay, because someone's coming. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, someone was coming. So, I mean, here it is again. It's like, okay, so for someone else, I'm thinking about this. And then, yeah. and then he broke out into the worst. I have never, ever, ever seen a baby with such worse baby acne. He looked like a leper. He was so... And this lasted till he was three weeks old. So I couldn't do his newborn pictures till then. Um, it was so bad. I, I, and I, I took pictures of him and I wished I would have saved him just so that I could show other people. Like, yeah. what? I don't know why. Just in, because some people have a hard time with it. And I want to just, you know, be like, hey, yeah, it happens. This is, this yeah. is That'd be good for and the we, book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and we didn't want to go anywhere or have anyone come see him because I mean it was like he obviously it didn't matter to us but it was really pretty dramatic and you know and because at first I thought oh well maybe I should wait till his cord falls off and that's oh that's when we decided to go to the store his cord fell off and that was my sign like okay now he's ready for the outside world but then I was like, oh, no, no, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> so after that, I thought, wow, maybe like a month is good. Just a month being, uh, having a baby, like being at home with just you and your partner and your baby and, and being very cautious about what kind of energy you're bringing in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you don't, like, like I said, you don't get that back. <laughs> So, um, no, you don't. And it's, yeah. and, and it's you, amazing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you're still in that space that I, you know, that even a month after you're still in this land of the, where, whatever happened in that birth, you're still in that process, you know, every day. And, um, it's such a precious time. Um, beautiful time, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. And it's it's just all of it. It's just preparing you to, and it's preparing you to be, to really put your baby first, you know? I mean, you just, you kind of develop this incredible bond where you're, then you're just like willing to be up all night long with them if they're sick or do anything for them, you know, the, yeah. The labor process, the postpartum process, the bonding, all of that. And so that was a big part of what I learned with with him. And uh, luckily, you know, those lessons came in just little, little things. It wasn't, um, it was just an awareness. So I don't Mm. feel like it was, I don't don't feel like it impeded it too much, but just enough for me to get that awareness of really what I think that women need to yeah. to hear yeah. about it's almost like sometimes we have to give women permission to do that um, because the way that it's structured sometimes in that postpartum times not in sort of equilibrium with with that you know it's like oh okay we've got to get this done and do this and da 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 um, but sometimes like almost like you have to give a woman permission and say, no, you can do this. You know, you can take that time and you don't have to be out yeah, in two weeks I mean, at a cafe, you know, doing this or go to aunt, what, what's her name's fate, uh, what's her name's house or, you know, da, 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 or 
have a party or, you know, these sort of things. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm trying to think I had a client once. Oh, I'm, I feel like it was maybe she was Czech or Russian or, oh, it's escaping me. But it was a different culture (laughs) than ours. And apparently they're in their culture. They, um, the, the women do so much all the time and they just were, they're expected to get up right away after the birth and start taking care of everybody again. Mm. And she told me that in their culture, this is the grandma that had come that was in the prenatal visit. Um, she told me that it was normal for them to bleed for six months after the birth. That was their normal. Wow. Yeah. You know? And so, I mean, that's, when you don't rest and don't stop, you're mm. not your your body's not recovering yeah, too. Recovering, yeah, yeah. And it, I often think too with different cultural practices, the the essence of survival in I guess Western cultures, I feel, is furnished more by like stress and anxiety and so much information and different cultural practices that do different things postpartum um, don't have as much of that, like of over-exaggeration of information, the stress, anxiety, all the different things that we have to do. Um, it's yeah. more of a, a, a much easier level of survival, which comes back to primal survival. But here I feel like it's just so so overabundant in information that you're just like stressed and anxious and yeah. you've got to do this or this or this or this or this. Yeah, or this, it's very you know. mental. It's mental, yeah. It's intellectualised. Like I need to be breastfeeding and established at this. The milk will come in at this time. I, You know, da-da-da-da-da, everything's on this like watch. Um, mm-hmm. he, you know, don't wrap the baby up like at this time and do wrap and make sure you do this and don't, you know, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> You've said other cultural practices and it's just primal survival stuff um, because women need to get back to doing whatever they need to do, but it's not so overly intellectualized. Yeah, and I think our challenge because of that, our challenge is really, yeah, to how to quiet the mind and trust the body. Yeah. Quiet the mind, trust the body and the process. Yeah. It's okay. We don't need to do arithmetic right now. Just hold your baby, you know, just. <laughs> yeah. And that's, it's, that's the same for the pregnancy, for the labor, for the birth, for the postpartum, yes. for the, your mothering. Like how, how you set this up, it's like I said before, how you, like with the dancing when you were having, you know, your birth with Mountain and you're like, yeah, you know, dancing and how you set yourself up into that phase sets yourself up into the next phase and then it all plays out into the way that you're mothering. But we can reclaim that along the way. And, you know, I know from my first birth to my second birth is the lessons and the gifts and the healing that I learned from that experience that played out into the second experience that plays out into the mother oh, that yeah. I've become. Yes. Um, yeah, but it's just taking that step back and honouring that you know, honouring ourselves as women and mothers and what culture we're in and how we do it and um, honouring all the other mothers around us. And so instead of how the system is designed for us to 
not work together. It's like with midwifery um, to bring that connection back to each other and support each other. And like I said before, it's almost like you have to give people permission sometimes and go, it's okay, you can do that. And the relief on their faces is like, really? (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just to show a different way, like it's okay to, to, to go this way and, and more even maybe beyond permission, just that encouragement that this is, this is good. This is a good thing to do right now. <laughs> like let go of all that, all that stress and that mental activity. Activity. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I just, I'm, I'm so happy that we found each other, Allie, because I feel like we're so on the same, um, wavelength when it comes to these things and these topics, like we're really, getting getting each other yeah me too like I I really thank you for um I felt like I've come onto your show because you set up the whole recording for this but thank you for whatever we've done we've connected so yeah I'm just completely honored and thank you for sharing these stories and um it was just such an ease to talk to you and I I want to talk to you more like um I do want to talk to you more because I want to talk to you another time about the calendar and about the body painting and about the cannabinoid oil and <laughs> more about your midwifery. Um, especially, yeah. So, yeah. Well, there is so much, and I really want to. I would love to interview you for my podcast, and I want to hear your birth stories. So we've yeah. got to we've got Let's to schedule that as yeah. well. And then, just for your listeners, I would just love to. Let everyone know that if they want to find out more about Birth with Joy or about those things that you just were just mentioning, the calendar and um, that I made and the body painting I do and everything, um, you can check that out at birthwithjoy.love. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, like the best. So, thank you. I, so I didn't much. know when I first. Yeah, uh-huh. thank you. And I was going to say, I didn't know when I first started listening that your name was Joy. Like I just found your podcast and I just thought, oh, Birth with Joy. Like I thought it was like Birth with Joy. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know your name was Joy. And I was like, oh, your name's Joy too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just got really excited. And that's why I contacted you. I sent you a message and then we've gone from there. So. Oh, yeah. I know. We had a little, a beautiful correspondence. And I really look forward to talking with you more, Ali. And. Again, hearing your birth stories. Thank you. Did this episode tickle your heart, move and rattle you in its wisdom? I hope you resonated with the show. Please head over to the website, circleofbirth.com, for show notes, including my personalised take on the episode, pictures, resources, and how you can connect with a storyteller. Sign up to the newsletter and most importantly, please help this show grow to its full potential of serving you in its ancient wisdom. Donations made easy via PayPal. All donations will be received with love. Head to circleofbirth.com slash donate. And yes, I'd love an iTunes rating. This has been another episode of the Birth Share Project. We breathe, we birth, we become. We honour you.